You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Oz Network as we continue on our coverage of Nip Tuck. We are into the third season, the second episode. Back after a couple of weeks away, we had to regroup ourselves and get ready after that sort of weird Mama Boon episode. We we felt we needed to just make sure we get back into some normality with Nip Tuck. We're here to talk about uh, Kiki. We say normality. This is kind of about a gorilla, but okay. Uh, this was written by Lynn Green and Richard Levine. It was directed by Elode Keen. It aired, uh, first aired on the 27th of September 2005 and let's start off by saying that my name is ben and i always thought that if you had a dick you're a guy and if you had a pussy you're a girl but what do i know i know shit and i'm nick and i don't care what kind of sex you have or with whom um i'm glad that you think that uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was an awkward song yeah um i just had to think about that for a moment like what what have you been doing and watching is that why we just haven't been off here for a couple of weeks with nip tuck it's <laughs> staring at my yeah it was disturbing yeah anyway uh but yeah no we're back here i'm excited to be back for nip tuck uh we're here in the third season a season that obviously we've um you know had a few mixed reactions in terms of the overall, uh, you know, positives and negatives about this one. We had a very strange episode in Mama Boon, one that we kind of felt was a bit of a different episode. But I think as we mentioned at the end of that one, so I think we get to a bit of normality when it comes to what we expect from Nip Tuck this time around. Uh, I mean, it's, I think this just is the third season in general. You're going to have your episodes where, yeah, this is just what we're used to. And you definitely have episodes this season. You're like, well, what am I watching? Um, I mean, again, this one, th- the interesting thing about this one, I think I mentioned that this was either off air to you or it was at the end of our last episode about this one being about a gorilla. Uh, I know there's another episode involving uh, like a, an ape or a monkey um, which I kind of got confused. I thought it was that one, but no, I forgot there was this one with the gorilla. So, um, yeah, apparently Ryan Murphy got to a point where it's like, okay, let's enough with the, the real-life human surgery ones. Let's get some stuff about uh, animals into it. So at least we didn't have Meryl uh, taking on uh, Kiki here and uh, once again losing his practice. Yeah, well, I wonder if maybe when Ryan Murphy was just, you know, flicking through actors and, you know, obviously Dylan Walsh is, is in Congo, which is the... the <laughs> The, great, the greatest, best, worst, or worst, best movie in history. It's one of those ones that's just so bad, it's good. Um, I love Congo. It's such a terrible movie, but yeah. it's just quite... It's a very quotable movie, actually. Um, and, yeah, if you want to go and see Dylan Walsh, you know, in his in his youth um, with the curly hair and the whole works, it's, it's pretty funny. I, I quite enjoy it. So maybe that's where he got the idea. But this was... I think this is actually quite an important episode because this is... I, I don't know if you remember, but way back in the day, and we are talking about, you know, the hashtag Paul Matt, and we talked about, you know, there'll be a point, well, I did, we talked about a point where the turning point for Matt, yeah. and to me, I think this is it, this is the moment where Matt turns, and you never really get the old Matt back after this episode, I think this is, this is it, you know, and it's kind of very symbolically covered in the head shaving, but I do think you just don't get the same Matt again after this episode, so in that sense, it's actually quite an important episode for the, the whole kind of series, I guess. Yeah, completely agree, and I think that, um, I mean, we didn't get Matt at all last episode, did we, and I kind of think... That goes back into, you know, how last episode was a bit weird. Uh, I mean, neither of us binned it. We both rented it. It wasn't a terrible episode by any chance. I mean, there's definitely at least one worse episode this season, and there might be more. Um, but, you know, I, yeah, I definitely agree with you. And I think that we kind of get into that new nip, uh, that sort of standard nip tuck, but it, it is that new direction of this show that, as we kind of talked about in the first two seasons, that's peak nip tuck. You know, whereas moving forward now with this show, 
you're still going to have peak and really great episodes and really great storylines, but you're also going to have a few misses along the way. But this episode definitely, yeah, I agree with you. It's important. Um, you know, Matt really, <laughs> as we've kind of talked him, uh, you know, through the poor stuff that happens in his life. Um, but, you know, yeah, this is the episode. This is the one that it's like, okay, Matt, the head shaving, from there on in, poor old Matt. Hashtag poor Matt. <laughs> so, yeah, um, we'll get to that. But um, I'm going to start off, we're, we're obviously in the offices of McNamara Troy here. And uh, we have a, a lady at the, the the desk. I love how they say, you know, tell us what you don't like about us about yourself. And she's like, why? Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just kind of like these misunderstanding moments that we have. Um, and uh, obviously, this lady is here to talk about Kiki, the gorilla. She sent over uh, documents here in regards to, and obviously, the great nursing and receptionist staff of uh, McNamara Troy have once again failed at their job. <laughs> I mean, seriously, why? Who who works at this place? Do you think they would have handed this on? Or Dr. Troy, Dr. McNamara, our next consult, uh, your next consult here is actually going to be about a gorilla? Like, they've just handed them nothing and they just assumed this, so they're going to have this awkward situation. Like, why do they hire these people still? Yeah, I mean, isn't the basic job of a PA is to prepare the boss so that they don't look like complete morons when, you know, somebody comes in? Like, and that's just, that's any PA, you know, like, you know, I work for the local council and our, the, the mayor's PA would at least give him a, a very basic overview of, oh, you've got these meetings today and they're coming to talk to you about this so that he's not walking in with absolutely no knowledge of what's going on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm, yeah. So, I mean, we, we talk about these backroom staff at, at McNamara Troy are pretty useless. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's the same like when uh, I was actually doing radio rather than just podcasts you know and you would somebody would organize an interview i'd always if i'd not heard of a person i wanted a bit of a background otherwise it's like oh who am i interviewing what do they who what do they do they're a gorilla like you know like it's gonna make me feel awkward on air but um so basically uh this is uh dr meredith foresight she's here to talk about kiki a mountain gorilla who uh has a self-image problem uh she's uh, as a baby was attacked uh well not really attacked i guess uh, her parents were killed by poachers and now they're trying to mate her so they want to fix this scar on her face because um mountain gorillas i guess uh similar to humans they can they look in the mirror and they sort of she sort of explains it how they're the only animals i think in the animal kingdom who can recognize themselves in a mirror um and I just kind of like the back and forth here between the doctors and, and, uh, you know, Meredith here. And, uh, <laughs> what does I, like Christian say at one point, like, oh, she could use some lip gloss. Um, <laughs> just like the way she looks at her. Uh, and then we see like this video and she's trying to explain it, you know, cause she's like, oh, let me appeal to you as scientists. Cause, you know, they're all like, look, we don't do animals and all this sort of stuff. But I think the one line here that always stands out, cause I, this is another one of those random ones I can remember the ad for it. And I think it might have been the promo for season three here in Channel 9. With that line when she says, like, oh, in evolutionary terms, all males are bastards. Um, you know, they use that to death in the advertising sort of thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I just kind of that. And one thing I actually want to point out here before we get to sort of the post-credits after the introduction here, we talked a lot about season three, how in terms of uh, official main cast, we, uh, you know, Liz has obviously joined it last season, but, like, uh, we get Kimber listed as main cast this season and obviously uh, Quinton and Gina will be two. 
Uh, but I don't know if you notice in terms of the credits that uh, we do have Kelly Carlson and Bruno Campos are officially on the opening credits, uh, but we do not have uh, Jessalyn Gilsig or Gina Russo on there yet. I know we haven't seen her yet this season, but I just I think it's interesting that obviously they add her at some point. I just assume that they would have just kept her at the beginning, but just a random little thing I noted. I don't know if you've got anything to add here on the, the introduction of Kiki here in the beginning. Yeah, I mean it's pretty pretty straightforward, really, isn't it? I mean it's um it's just the general setup for this episode. Um, uh, yeah, I mean I guess there's kind of bigger things about you know that some scars you know you can't hide and and all that kind of stuff is the is the general theme of this episode. Yeah. Um, and I always like it when the you know because we we kind of talk on and off about it, but I always like it when the the patient of the episode actually speaks to the bigger themes of the show. I think that's when you get your best episodes. And Niptuck's not always great at that. They can be a little bit lazy and forget to do that at times. And that's when you just kind of get these patients that are inserted, a.k.a. pussy lips. Um, so, it's you know, it's nice that it kind of connects up to the main, you know, the main story of the episode or the main themes that are running through the episode. So in that sense, I'm really pleased. But, you know, the kind of kiki stuff is, you know, it's either take it or leave it really, isn't it? I mean, there's nothing particularly exciting about it. It just... It's just a way of tying the whole theme of the, the episode together. Yeah. Uh, I, I really can't wait till we get to season five when we get this payoff with the pussy lips again, how that comes back into it. <laughs> like, it's kind of... You always bring it up, and I get why you bring it up. And, like, the the bit that comes back in season five is just... It's just this hilarious little nod to a, a forgettable storyline in some aspects, but a very memorable one in others. So, um, I just can't wait till we get to that episode. Um, so, post-credits... Um, Here's Matt Naver having sex. We're back in season two, apparently. Um, I always forget that kind of Femke Jansen is back, sort of, for one episode. Yeah, yeah. It's, one of a, it's kind of a nice surprise, eh? You kind of just think, oh, well, you know, she's gone at the end of the the last season. But no, she just makes these kind of little cameos and, and Matt's dreams kind of going forwards. And, yeah. you know, you're getting... You know, apart from the the sex, you get in your your last final look at the the mat mop. Yes, yeah. it's, it's going to be gone, <laughs> and it's really gone mopalicious at this time. My goodness, yeah. he's full on mopped yeah. it out. Um, yeah, but here he is uh, having sex. Um, he she says, "Oh, the ticket's still at the house." She wants him to come with her, but then it just gets a little bit awkward because he's actually masturbating. Uh, <laughs> which can I just point out, like? I've got to say this. Come on. Like, Jesus Christ, he masturbates well. Like, I mean, like, <laughs> he's, like, collapsing and sweating and he's breathing heavily. Like, I don't know if I've ever had one that good, but good for him. <laughs> yeah, and the sun, the sun rises as he's still breathing. It's, it's all of, yeah. <laughs> I just love the way, like, the way he kind of lays down and he kind of looks down and he's like, oh, crap, it was all a dream. Like, Jesus, he was having a good fantasy. I thought he was just thinking, oh, shit, the sheets. I'm going to have to do something <laughs> about that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, anyway. Uh, so he goes back to Ava's house. Why not? Because, you know, obviously his subconscious is telling him in the middle of doing that that, oh, shit, the ticket's still there. And uh, he's uh, old smelly, stinky Adrian just dead on the floor with maggots all over him. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is kind of interesting to think that, like, I mean, we know what we know about Ava, but the fact that 
when that scene at the end of season two when she's in the airport and she's leaving, she just left him there. And it's kind of like, what did she do with all her clients and all this sort of stuff? Like, you know, she's a life coach. I'm sure she had clients, even if she cancelled all of them. So nobody has gone to her house? Is this just a sad reflection of Ava that she was that lonely and nobody else gave a shit about her? You know, what about Alec Baldwin? Why doesn't he care about his now son that he showed up? He knows where she's... Like, surely he's popped over quickly and said, like... While I'm in town, I may as well see Adrian. Like, he kind of asks about her. But, um, I don't know if you get anything to add about that. It's just, I mean, it's, it's a shocking scene, of course. Like, you know, here he is, dead body on maggots everywhere and all this sort of stuff. But, I mean, at the same time, it's kind of like, really? Yeah, and I mean, I guess it's one of those things is it, it kind of helps to explain the timelines because, you know, you always get when you have a season end and, and you kind of don't have a really good idea of, of how much time there has been in between, especially when we kind of open this whole season up with yeah. the dream sequence with Christian, is that you don't you, you don't really know how long it's been. I mean, you assume with the, the kind of cut on his neck and stuff that it's been not that long. Um, but are we talking days or weeks or whatever? So it kind of at least frames... It gives you a general idea in terms of how long we're probably looking at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is quite a gruesome scene, and it kind of just brings it home that this is all, you know, like what's happening to Matt, you know, the the, the poor Matt thing is, is is strong in this episode. Oh, so strong. And, like, this is, yeah, this is even these next two episodes in total just with Matt's downfall in this short space of time. It's kind of like it's one of these ones where, yeah, you really are getting the pa- hashtag poor Matt vibe. Um, just with, with what is happening to him. But uh, we, we will get back to him in a second because we now cut back to McNamara Troy. Quinton's here because, of course, Quinton's on staff, as we as we remember. Um, he's washing a dish. Cool. Uh, Liz comes in and, you know, what is this? A man washing a dish in this office? And then I, I never understand. Is Quinton just trying to flirt with her or is it just kind of he's just being nice because he's all like you know oh your credentials you're very high regarded and it's like oh did you google me and then obviously christian walks in and it's like stop trying to flirt with her she's gay like I, I never understand if they're trying to imply that he is trying to get in her pants or this is just him i don't know if you have any thought process on that i think it's probably just trying to establish the kind of character he is that he's you know he's he's quite a smooth operator really but you know i think that the i think they're just trying to give him his kind of different you know his persona really because he's not sean he's not christian he's kind of somewhere in the middle um and i think they kind of try and want to sell that to you quite clearly that you know he is quite a smooth operator but he's not quite the bastard that that christian is at least at the start of this whole thing yeah and i just kind of like this conversation that's going on here and he's obviously talking about this new tattoo machine he can get it at cost for seventy nine thousand. jesus christ that's cost um yeah (laughs) they're just so blase about and all of a sudden christian's like no expenses like he's kind of the one who's usually going that way so it's a bit weird but I, I like it how like I just love this scene when he cuts himself and then just the way he's all like oh when I was in this tribe you know we did this and we became brothers and it's just oh, like yeah. I'm joking <laughs> like just the way they do it and just that line that Christian says what is he like he made you a dinky dinky for a dinka dinkus or something like that just yeah yeah <laughs> Just it's like, kind of one of those punches that doesn't work. Sometimes they just they give Christian these lines and they just they actually just don't really work. Um, and that's kind of one of them. Um, yeah, I think they, you know they just they they do quite a good job of kind of establishing that this guy's, you know, he's a bit awkward. Um, you know, like he's he just doesn't quite fit in. Um, 
Yeah, and, and you know, I, I don't know if it's done deliberately or if these guys just aren't really getting the lines done all that well, but this whole scene comes across as really, really awkward, which, you know, in a sense works really well for what they're trying to do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it does just feel really, it feels like a scene out of The Office or something like that, you know, it just feels really, really awkward. Um, I just wanted to, like, go back a little bit to the whole Liz thing with the gorilla. I don't know if you're starting to get a bit sick of it, but I am, you know, it's starting to wear on me after two and a bit seasons. You know, Liz is just this constant kind of moral compass for these guys and always bitching and nagging them, you know, when they don't, you know, when they're not taking on the case that, you know, they should be. And, you know, it's just getting a bit old for me. It's a bit one note now. Yeah, I agree, I think. And I think that's kind of what we've always argued that Liz is. But one thing I will say for Liz in terms of what they do with the development of a character with the glaring exception of one very bad storyline that comes at the end of season five and season six uh like i like it this season i mean when we eventually get to the stuff with her uh julia uh gina and quinton even kind of when they go off and do their own thing i kind of like that sort of side thing with liz that she's taken out of this sort of environment with this and even next season what we get with her like they they start doing a few things different with her because i mean at this point they're probably thinking like what can we do with liz you know, she she is this person who, yeah, is always going to be the person who's going to be fighting for these uh, causes. And, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, like, particularly even, like, when we get the bit when they go to the zoo and she's kind of all like, oh, you know, and I feel for her because she's, you know, an outcast of her tribe and things like that. It's just kind of like, you know, it's, it's a common thing that I've talked a lot about on a variety of our different episodes on the Oz Network. Is I just don't like it when these causes are being shoved down your throat. I like it to be natural. And sometimes it does feel that, like, Liz is shoving stuff down your throat. So, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and I think probably, you know, we are kind of foreshadowing a little bit to some of the storylines that she's going to be involved with going forwards that that probably don't work for me and certainly don't work for you from what you've said so far is, you know, I think that they do become a little bit stuck that she is so one note that they kind of start putting her in situations where... Uh, you know, it just doesn't really fit the character. So it's a kind of a lose-lose for them, really. They've got this one-note character, and they're damned if they do, damned if they don't. If they keep replaying the same note, then people go, and if, you know, if they try and do things differently, then they've got to be really careful that it still feels, you know, it feels genuine to the character, and I'm not sure that they really ever quite get that right. And yeah. in a sense, I, I, I kind of feel for them, because it's a hard one to get right. That's the thing with Liz, too. I mean, it's just Ryan Murphy in general is, is very good at addressing a variety of issues. We talked a lot about that, didn't we, in the first season with sort of like the transsexual community and, um, you know, things like that that he does and he dresses and he doesn't do it to an extent where it is shoved down your throat. But he does have some exceptions. I mean, not just Nip Tark. I mean, there were definitely elements of Glee that was very over the top. You know, American Horror Story, there's definitely moments where it's over the top in your face. But, I mean, I understand why he does it. I mean, he's, you know, he's who he is and he's got his style about it. But there are just some times where it's like he's so good at sort of addressing issues without making it so obvious at the same time, he sometimes misses the note a few times. And I guess Liz is that in Nip Tuck every now and then. Um, one that actually ran a bit of trivia here, you mentioned Congo. Just actually read this here. That just going back a little bit to when we see the uh, DVD footage of uh, Kiki's uh, parents and that uh, the Dr. Forsythe's holding the DVD. According to IMDb Trivia, the DVD that contains the footage of Kiki is clearly the DVD cover 
of Congo. The title oh, is covered funny. by Dr. Forsythe's thumb, but it is quite obvious. Congo also starred Dylan Walsh. So there that's you go. <laughs> definitely recommend. If we, if we were going to, uh, that would that would definitely be a buy. In fact, it is a buy. I do own that DVD somewhere in my collection. It was on TV the other week. We're flicking channels on. That's, I mean, that's something that we should do at one point. I, I think we should do this for all the shows that we're covering. At least just take a month off, whereas, like, you know, we can do a month of covering two Dylan Walsh films, two Julian McMahon yes, films, yeah. and, like, we can do that for Third Watch, we can do that for Lost, you know, just get some of the actors and just see some of this stuff outside of this. And, so we can uh, watch uh, Congo and Fantastic Four. Yeah, because <laughs> that's the only movies they've ever been in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, Julian McMahon was in... He was in a Sandra Bullock movie, wasn't he? Like, Premonition one or something like that, or that one where she went to, like, the letterbox and there was... I don't know, he was in some movie with Sandra Bullock, I remember. And Dylan Walsh, pff, I could not tell you another movie he's in. <laughs> and uh, Julia's, uh, Julia's in quite a, um, a, a sweet rom-com called Maybe Baby, if you've seen that. That's actually not a bad film, and she's it. using the British accent. Um, so and that, that's, that's in that one that I said I watched, that weird horror one, where there was a oh, photographer yeah. in Japan uh, with, like, Joshua Jackson. So, I mean, we could just do one each. There's, there's our four. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. I just expect I just expect John Hensley, just anything he's in to be that weird, whatever. You know, like, it just feels yeah. like he, everything he's in is going to be slightly weird. Yeah, well, I mean, he, he was, and from memory, spoiler alert, he gets, like, murdered in it. So, you know, I mean, oh, yeah. it's... But if they even do a, a Michael Jackson biopic, he'd be perfect for it. <laughs> yeah, he really would. <laughs> oh, God. Anyway, um, so... Yeah, we get the the tattoo consult here with uh, what's this guy's name? Ramirez, isn't it? Marlon Ramirez. Um, I, I, I kind of like this. One of those random sort of characters in Nip Tuck, just like a one off character that I always remember, and I always really like his storyline. Like, it's, it's, I mean, this guy, this actor, I'm looking at Jose Pablo Cantillo. I think he's a really good actor. The way he kind of delivers this, and you know, he's obviously here. He is like he's a he's a gangbanger, I guess, uh, and he's trying to get his life back on track. So he wants to get his teardrops removed uh and he's like what speaking spanish to quinton because he's like you know oh he's a fellow latino guy and even just that line from quinton is like just because you and i are of both latin descent doesn't mean we speak the same language um and just that line that he says like you know hey you don't disrespect me just because you know we're in the same room or that um and yeah it's just i just kind of like how he's there and he's telling a story and then he obviously tells about the tears on his face that uh one tear for every single kill um which, you know, Sean is just Mr. Naive. He lives in Miami. Uh, like, I mean, does he he's yeah, never, yeah. never heard about this before? I'm not just necessarily saying about, like, he's come into contact with these people, but surely living in Miami, the media, things like that, like, you would at least understand what this actually is. I mean, I think I even knew what that was before I saw this episode, and I don't live in Miami. So, I mean, I'm sure you... I mean, New Zealand, the main streets of Hamilton, you know, with all your gang members with the tears on their face, right? No, totally, yeah. But, no, I think I think this is quite a good point in that it, it, it reminds you where this show is set. Um, and I think they get a, th- a few things kind of a little bit confused here. Like, you know, um, you get Quentin starting to talk about, you know, Castro filling the streets. And this guy, uh, to me, doesn't look like he's Cuban. Um but, I, you know, I get the general idea that basically we're talking, you know, you've got this kind of melting pot of, you know, Hispanic people and and all that kind of thing within within Florida. And it's just a reminder of where we are. This is yeah. set in Miami. And, you know, we've talked a lot about how the location is such a huge part of the first season. And then it just kind of completely drops out. So it's a nice little reminder. And I think I do really agree with you that this guy is a, a cool character. He's a cool kind of one, you know, one episode character comes in. 
Um, and I, you know, I like that, you know, you know, getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but I like the way that the the episode ends with him. Oh yeah, um, and for it sure. Kind of, kind of wraps him in with, um, you know, with Matt's story, which I think is, is is cool. I think it's really well done. Yeah, oh for sure. When we get to that, that, that final sequence is one of my favorite, probably in the show's history. It's one that I always remember. I just love how it's edited put together and how it concludes and i mean there is one thing when we get to that which i will point out that this whole miami setting uh which is glaringly overlooked when it comes to the filming location but uh we'll get to that um but anyway so uh chris uh sean sorry gets interrupted here because uh in comes liz uh you know you got a phone call i'm in a contact oh it's julie she's at the police station um so we're at the police station. He's uh, no, bullpen. Hold on, hold on, just a, just a minute. Not an emergency. Let's point out. You know, yeah. this is not an uh, just. I, this is one thing that is really bugging me about the show is that people just like wander into consults and surgeries and just you know like <laughs> for things that aren't a huge emergency. It's like this guy's in the middle of a consult and you know at times he's been in the middle of you know very serious surgery and we're just going to like bowl on in and be like, oh, your son's at the hospital or at the police station. It's like it's not that important. You know, somebody's life is in, is on the line here Can how was we their reputation like-, like handled like you know like we go back to last uh season with bobby like you know and they're all worried about their re- reputation because she's going to the media and that sort of stuff yeah. word of mouth is destroying them at this point like what's in a consult was interrupted because of a phone call and i and i think <laughs> yelp the reviews <laughs> yeah, the thing that annoys me about it a little bit too is that, you know, some things on shows like this are done for narrative purposes, you know, like, yes, yeah. that wouldn't happen. And, you know, like, the, you know, we're joking at the start about the, you know, the, these guys not knowing anything about the gorilla, but, you know, that's obviously just to try and, you know, get the narrative going. So it's just something that on, in, for the TV purposes, you don't really think about that. But this is one of those things that does annoy me is that it just feels like it's a bit of a lazy way of moving the story along. Like, is there not another way you could have got to the scene without having to, it feels very George Lucas, you know, like you kind of just have to make it super obvious where we're going next. Um, and yeah, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. It's just, just one of those, those minor gripes. I, I'm sounding really, really annoyed here, but you know, I mean, I am really enjoying this, but it's just these funny little things that I'm starting to pick up on and maybe no, it's just, it's, it's valid. I think I mean, the thing that we've, I think we're really noticing with Nip Tuck, the two glaring things here, Time and continuity aren't a thing that really you need to pay attention to in this show. And the staff at McNamara Troy are terrible at their job. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. like, there are definitely... Cause, and, and, like, even the, the police force of Miami, we go back to the very first season. We've got detectives searching for dead hamsters or gerbils <laughs> yeah. or whatever. And here they yeah. are, a detective. Like, okay, he's found a body. Fair enough, you've got to ask the questions. But when we get here to Detective Bowser... Who is she like working for? Like Mario and Luigi? Like I like it's that name in general. But it's like again, I'm no police officer, so I don't know the ins and outs of how this would work. But she comes in and automatically is like, Oh, it seems like it's a suicide. So why are they like questioning him like he's guilty? Like, you know, like why were you in her house? What you know, why what have you got to do with her if she's overseas? It's kind of like it does it to a point. It's like is this even necessary at this point? Yeah, and if Matt has killed him, he's the worst criminal in history. It's like, I'm going to kill this guy and then just leave him lying exactly where he fell, and <laughs> then I'm going to go back and discover him covered in maggots two weeks later. Like, this is just the most bizarre thing ever. Yeah, so it just, it just doesn't feel like this is really necessary at all. And it, it's kind of like, they just feel like they're really shorthanding the, the, 
disintegration of Matt and who he is. And, you know, I do feel, and going back to the Star Wars analogy a little bit, it does feel like the whole fall of Anakin Skywalker a little bit, you know, like this just, let's just do it really fast hand, you know, this really, really important kind of issue, which is this, you know, this main character kind of falling apart and he's never going to be the same. And it kind of feels like we're just doing it a little bit shorthanded. I, re- I really wish we had a scene later on in this uh, episode with like Matt and Erica sitting on the couch and Matt's just like, I don't like sand. It's coarse and rough. It gets yeah. everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> well, there's Matt our reference. Like- it always has to be brought up in an episode on the Oz Network. We're just going to keep that counter going. Uh, there's yeah. always a segue somewhere into into that uh, iconic moment in movie history. Um, yeah. But like, I mean, look, this whole sequence, like, okay, fair enough. You've got to, you know go through the motions here I, I do like detective bowser though the way like um sean comes in and starts and the way she's just like my office my questions it's like ooh, <laughs> like where are you just like if she was on the frisky case like <laughs> frisky's found in two seconds um yeah but it, it's like the one the one thing i have about all of this is like even like what i just said in terms of like why like they questioning him over this like he's done something wrong um, like, if I found a dead body in in the street, am I going to be, like, treated like a suspect? I guess you've got to semi and treat him like a suspect. But at the same time, it's also, you know, your point exactly. Like, he is the worst killer in the world if he's going to come back here and act, oh, I just found his body. Like, <laughs> why would he go back? Um, but, like, the whole, this whole section when Sean has to reveal that she's, was used to be a man, that to me seems incredibly forced because... He, it's, like, why does he need to go into the detail? Like, he says, like, oh, you know, our interaction was minimal. And then she's questioning him. Why? Why does... What is it? Like, this is where he needs to be like, am I under am I under arrest? Like, am I being questioned here? What do you need to know this for? Like, I don't know. Is this just Sean panicking under pressure? Um, and then, like, even when he says, like, oh, she came in to see me for a small procedure. And Matt's like, well, what procedure? All she has to say is, like, oh, she just got a bit of lipo or she just had her lips done. You know, like, I mean, I guess she technically did get her lips done. Uh, but <laughs> sorry, I had to go there. Um, yeah. But like, he doesn't, he doesn't have to reveal this at this point. And I don't know if this just comes down to Sean under pressure. Because, you know, of course, when even Julie's like, we agreed we would never tell him. It's like, did you really have to tell him in that moment? I don't think he did. Yeah, it's a hard one. Um, and it probably doesn't really match with the Sean character either. Like, he's not. He's not a hugely impulsive guy, you know. That's the that's the Christian character, isn't he? Is the 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 impulsive one, whereas Sean's supposed to be a bit more measured and, and not do things on the fly. So yeah, in a sense, it probably doesn't really match totally with the character. But I I mean, I quite like it because I think it kind of it moves things along. Oh, it's a, a great scene. I, um, I will say, to interrupt. It is a fantastic scene. It's brilliantly acted. Yeah. Everything works well. But I just I guess in nitpicking and analysing to me, it's kind of if you're looking at this on the grand scheme of things, it's not. Yeah, it's 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 forced if if that's the nicest way of putting it. I don't. I think it's a great scene though. Yeah, I, I think probably for me is that you know we've spent kind of a season and a half really of um, this show being based around people holding secrets and you know the the slow kind of teasing out and and revelations of this big secret. And so I like that they kind of take a different tack here where it's you know we're not going to keep this from him this time. It's suddenly we're just going to bang. It's going to be out there. Um, and let's see, you know, how that impacts on them. Um, yeah, so, I, you know, I think that from my perspective, it's nice because it's fresh, it's different from what we've seen before, and it kind of segues into this 
pretty amazing scene. Like, I, I really oh, yeah. enjoy the dialogue that kind of comes up, you know, where Matt comes home. And you know, is Matt, how old Matt supposed to be? Like, kind of 18, 19, whatever. Be 18 at um, this, because he was 16 in season one, wasn't he? So he'd right, have to be right. at least 17, 18 by now. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know, how many eighteen-year-olds are getting are getting wasted on wine? Well, not just <laughs> wine, but red wine. I do like that, um, but I do like how they they make this kind of quite artistic choice to kind of start the scene, and and half of it kind of plays out with with Sean in the dark. And I think that's quite cool. Like it's just it's just different, and I do really like it. Um, it it's kind of almost like a horror story kind of element to it, and I I just really enjoy it, and it just gives Sean that kind of that sense of menace, which I, I, I do quite like. And obviously, you know, the, the way that the relationship plays out with these two in the next few episodes, it, it does kind of give Sean a bit of a bit of danger, which plays out quite nicely in the next episode. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. And um, one thing that we have, like, talked up on, I think we've all kind of had a an episode where we've really said, oh, great acting by Dylan Walsh, great acting by Julian McMahon, great acting by Jolly Richardson. This, to me, is great acting by John Hensley. I mean, I know we've kind of touched on it a little bit, but just this sequence here when he comes home and just, like, he's got the wine and just that little bit where he, like, puts his thumb up when he's like, you know, oh, I'm not going to hold your head if you puke. And he's kind of like, you know, okay, cool, sarcastic git. And just the way then, you know, little things when it's like, is she a man or a woman? And they're like, oh, it's complicated. No, see, I thought that if you had a dick, you were a guy. If you had a put, and just the way he keeps doing it. And just, you know, just even the, like, the little lines, you know, so the best blowjobs I ever got were from a guy. Um, and then, you know, like, oh, you put your patient's confidentiality before your, you know, the feelings of your son, like... This whole scene is amazing, and like, look, right now, I mean, I know we're only two episodes in, we've still got a long way to go, but I mean, I could easily argue this as a nominee for the top five moments of season three. Um, yeah, and I do really Very like early that. days, but yeah. Yeah, but I, I, and I do really like the scene, you know, the, the one line in there that I really like is at the end, you know, you can't talk about that one, who who puts this, you know, their son's, oh, their oh, dad line. Their son, and he says, oh, you know, not a real one. And, you know, I think it's just, it is really well done. And I, I do like what you're saying about John Hensley's kind of coming into his own as an actor here. And I really like that because he has kind of just been played off as almost, I wouldn't say comedy, but he's kind of been, even his serious stories have not felt overly meaty like you know it wasn't mm. that long ago that he was having a glass of red wine and trying to chop his foreskin off you know like that wasn't <laughs> that long ago and suddenly we've got this guy who is getting into some pretty serious stuff so yeah i mean i i do really enjoy what we're getting here and yeah i, I would definitely I would, I would back that call we've got a long season to go but yeah let's definitely keep that one in, in our memories when we when we kind of come back to discussing the season as a whole He's, I mean, he really is, I think, the star of these, at least these next two episodes, because, I mean, there's just even great stuff here this, this episode. Next episode, there's just some amazing stuff with him. So, yeah, John Hensley definitely, uh, coming into his own here. Um, but, so from kind of this whole sequence, we're back at the, we're at the zoo, not back at the zoo. We kind of sort of touched a little bit on that, sort of the Liz, what she's saying there. Um, but it kind of seems weird because, like, this is the moment where he's kind of saying, like, oh, I'm just here to have a look. Five minutes later, he's doing the surgery. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. White scrubs, by the way. Yeah. Um, yeah I th- I'm glad you- I was going to write that. I'm like, Nick, did you look at the scrubs? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I have to say, Christian looks good in white scrubs. I don't know why, but uh, I think that this works This guy would look good in a plastic bag. Come on. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it's really interesting, you know, like the show really likes to do the um, the intercut scenes and this is, a, this is a weird one. Like, I guess it's the whole thing of like patching people up, you know, it's, you know, one of them's not a peop- not a person at all, it's a gorilla. But, you know, like this whole thing about mending scars and giving, pe- and giving people or gorillas a fresh start um, and I, I guess probably 
we are kind of bouncing around the fact that one of these is not a not a person, which makes it a bit of a weird intercut scene for me. Yeah, I do like that line uh, that Christian says to to Liz. It was you who compared yourself to Gorilla, not me. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, just the interchange, like between that and sort of obviously um, when when we're seeing uh, Marlon with the the tear sort of uh, the the laser that machine basically they've bought um so you know um it, it kind of works well then we we get back to um uh the house julie is looking for matt um and we've got weird rock music and she's disgusted at finding chesty organ the art of the transsexual she's disgusted at this book like i mean is is Julie just a little bit behind the times here? Because, I mean, okay, like, it's going to be shocking to see your children reading this, but, like, should you be that shocked? Like, who cares? If Like, it's not like it's Hitler, the art of, you know, getting rid of Jews. Like, it's, I mean, it's just a book on transsexual. So what? Like, should she be that shocked? Yeah, I think this is one of those moments that kind of uh, uh, ages the show a little bit. Mm. Um, because I think I think you you probably if you did a scene like this now then you would have to really play it up as Julia being intolerant you know I don't think you could play it up as Julia being a concerned parent um, yeah so I think it is one of those one of those scenes that has and I think there isn't many on the show I think it has aged pretty well but I think yeah. that is one that doesn't particularly work all that well um, but you know then we get into your favourite character and mine is uh. back and don't you just love it <laughs> I, do, I have to I have to say this, Nick. I actually like her in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, me too. I, I think she actually, she actually works on this. this yeah. I'm glad you said that because I think there is times... I think she's actually best when she's not playing against Julia. I think yeah. that's, you know, which is funny because they're mother and daughter, but I think that, they, you know, in real life. Um, but I think that, that she's actually a hell of a lot better when she's not playing against Julia. Yeah, uh, I agree. And like Erica, we we're talking about here, of course, is back. So we've got Matt getting stoned on a bong. In comes Erica. She, obviously, Julie's called her up and like, hey, can you come help him? Um, and then I just love how, uh, what, what does Matt say? Like, oh, do you want some? And it's like, oh, no, I need a brain. It's just like, eh, brains are overrated. And then she's just like, random, you know, Erica getting stoned. And I just love her reaction when she's like, hmm, you kids have no idea what good weed tastes like. <laughs> and then, like, even when she she drops, like, she calls herself a granny, and then I just love when Matt's just like, you just used the G word. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, like, I just love this line when, like, Matt's kind of like, oh, what, were you uh, a hippie or whatever it was? And she's like, what, did I express my body and do all this for for movement? Damn right I did. Um, but then just, like, like her line, I think that she's got that great line when she says, like, this is a great thing about being young. There's no mistakes, only research. Uh, I think it's a fantastic line. And then just like, you know, this sort of interchangeable dialogue where Matt's just kind of like, you know, oh, I get hard for hermaphrodites. Sorry, transsexual. And he's just like, oh, you know, she was so strong the way she helped me. And he's just like, oh, so you enjoy the masculinity. And he's just like, no. And it's like, look, there's nothing wrong with enjoying anal stimulation. It doesn't make you gay. (laughs) And he's just like, no, no. (laughs) She's just so like stone-faced about it. Very psychologist. Yeah, like this is, this episode is at, to this point, the best Erica episode. It might be the best Erica episode in the entire series, because moving forward, there's some terrible Erica episodes to come. So, like, this is... This might be peak Erica right now. 
Yeah, I think so. And uh, it's a really interesting kind of discussion, this one, about, you know, like he didn't know that she was a transsexual until now. And so why does this change anything, you know, about how he feels? It's quite an interesting discussion, this one. And, um, you know, I like that we kind of don't play it for laughs. It is, I don't know, it's it's done really well. Like, it's not serious, but it's also not played up for laughs. Yeah, it's strangely really good. And this is what I think is so great and complex about this with Matt in these episodes is the fact that, yeah, it's hashtag poor Matt, but I mean, like, going back to when you asked the question of how old he is, I mean, he's only meant to be about 18 at this point. Just, to, just like, put ourselves in that situation. If we're 18, we've fallen madly in love with someone, and I'm sure, like, I mean, I, at 18, had been in a situation where I've been madly in love with someone. If somebody had said to me, oh, Ben, she was actually a man, like, you're going to question that. You're going to be like, well, what does that mean? Like, am I gay? Do I, like, you know what I mean? Like, you're going to have those questions. So, like, and particularly as a teenager, when you are still, you know, coming into adulthood and you're trying to get all these things that are going through your head and mind. So, like, I think this is where uh, Matt and, and obviously John Hensley plays this off really, really well because, again, he is a confused teenager, like, at this point, you know? Like, even just his little line when he says, oh, the best blowjobs I ever got from a guy. Like, yeah, it's kind of a funny line in on paper, but just in the context of everything, as you said, they're not playing it off for laughs. Like, you can see why he's fucked up, and you're going to see in a moment why he's going to a transsexual bar, because you would be fucking confused at this point. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and I, I think I think it's really, it's just really well done. Um, and I think this is, you know, I think we've had some, some odd moments um you know, in that first episode of this season. And, you know, I think there were a few bumpy moments in that second season, which I wasn't kind of expecting because in my memory it was, you know, just a stellar season. Um, but I think we're kind of getting back to what makes the show really good is this kind of this interplay and, you know, talking about tough issues, you know, and it's that whole Ryan Murphy kind of trademark of not being afraid to go there. And we're kind of getting back to that in this episode, that it really does go places that other shows just wouldn't have gone at the time, and, and most shows still wouldn't go there. Yeah, and just going back to my point about Ryan Murphy's, like, very clever way of, like, forcing an issue to be talked about, but not forcing it down your throat, feeling like you're being educated about this sort of stuff. Like, again, Liz stuff, yeah, maybe a bit over the top, but I mean, this is just, you know, subtly done. Um, and I just think it's, yeah, it's, it's so well done. I agree with you. Um, we obviously get just kind of the scene here with, uh, Sean and Marlon just checking over his, um, his scars and the job that he was going to apply for. They've like said, oh, we didn't really think you would do it. You really feel for Marlon at this point, even though like he's admitted that he's like killed people, what, like five people, but you're really feeling for him because he's genuinely trying to change his life. He, he can't even get a job, uh, picking up shit. Uh, and then, you know, he's obviously going to try and ask Sean for a job. And Sean's like, well, as a medical professional, we can't hire somebody with a criminal record. And just even that line he says, it's like, um, you know, if I apply for a job and I tell them I've got a criminal record straight away, they're going to turn me down. And if I lie, then I'm violating parole. So it's kind of like, I mean, it's, it's, it's weird to say you feel for him because, yeah, he's got a bad rap and all this sort of stuff. But even when he explained how he got involved in it, it's like, it, it's, this is where, like, you can almost have a, a, a show just on this guy alone because like, he's just got this complicated background and just everything about this guy. And it's just hard not to, to feel for him really. Well, I think it's just going back to what I've just been saying around Ryan Murphy is that he challenges you to think about, about everything really. And, you know, like just to think about somebody as being only bad and, you know, that they can't change. And, you know, like, I think that 
that's something that that the show kind of rails against really um so yeah i mean i, I love it i think i think it's really good and it, it is a shame he's this character that doesn't stick around because he is really good um but that's what the show does really well is often brings in these characters for one or two episodes and you know they really shine and then they're gone again and it's just something you've got to get used to watching the show is you know apart from our main characters is don't get too attached to people because you're going to get these great actors that kind of come on board and you know i don't know if you're a fan of um criminal minds i haven't watched it for a few years but that was a show that had a similar thing where you'd have somebody come in for an episode and um I never, I never have enjoyed it as much as I do in Nip Tuck because I think that the you get so many different types of characters playing this kind of one episode arc um, on Nip Tuck, where it's a lot, it's a lot more one note on something like Criminal Minds. But I think it just works really well on the show. Yeah, and no, it's a real, agree. it's a real credit that they can, you know, they can go and cast somebody for just one episode and, and get somebody that's this good. Yeah, I completely agree. And this is, I'm sure, when we get to our recap episode this season, he'll be one that we'll talk about as a one time. Uh, character, which is interesting because, like, I mean, this this episode isn't called Marlon Ramirez; it's called Kiki. Yeah. Whereas yeah. you, I mean, you don't remember Kiki. No offense, Kiki, but I, I remember Marlon Ramirez in this episode, not Kiki. Yeah, I wonder if the Kiki thing is just because it stands out on a list. You know, if you, yeah. it, it kind of just breaks up all the human names. Is that you have something that's a little bit different, and you know, it's not the first time they've done that, and it won't be the last time either. Well, I think kind of if you look at the first three episodes of the season, Mama Boone, Kiki, Derek, Alex, and Gary. Like, you know, it's kind yeah. of the, the unique episode names. And, like, if you just look on this on a piece of paper and you're going to see Marlon Ramirez, you're just going to be like, oh, okay, cool, Marlon Ramirez. You know, so yeah. it's, I think it, it stands out more for, for sure. Um, but so, anyway, uh, we then see Matt at a transsexual bar. Uh, I love just, like, when he walks through here, just the music. Like, we've, we always talk about sort of the 80s elements here in Miami and Vice City and things like that. It just feels so 80s here. I just kind of like Matt, just his, like, the shyness and naivety of him walking through this bar, like, kind of just, like, nervous. But then I just love how, like, you get these people looking at him and there's that one person who sort of smiles at him and he kind of, like, points him like, hey, like, I don't know. Just I love the way he handles this. Um, and then just like at the bar and you've got the worst bartender in the world. Like, I should probably yeah. card you, but you're too cute. And then she puts her fingers in his drink, <laughs> flicks him with it. Like, really? <laughs> yeah, it's pretty bad. This, this whole thing like really reminds me. I don't know if you remember the, you know, the American pie three where they go to the, they go to the, the gay bar and yeah. they don't realize it's a gay bar and it, I, I'm sure there's some of the same people in that bar, you know, um, that they've just got this list of people they call out. Look, we want to we want to have a gay bar scene. Um, can you be in it? And it just feels like it, it does feel so cliched. Um, yeah, which it isn't a bad thing. I mean, I think you've got to it, it helps to kind of really um, cement what's going on here. You know, you don't have to think too much about it because they just go for the kind of cliched look. So you understand it straight away. So I kind of get that. But it is a little bit kind of, yeah, I, I feel like I've seen this a million times before. You, the, the weird thing is when you said about the American uh, Pie 3, uh, when we're about to get here to Cherry Peck, played by William Belly, uh, he actually did play Butch Queen in American Wedding. So- yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, yeah that, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me at all. It, yeah, it does feel like it's it's very much in line with what's happening here. And, um, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they, they play this really well in terms of making it. He just feels really awkward and out of place and... Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it is played well, and it's. I, I'm not sure that. Yeah, I think you'd lose some of the what needs to be obvious in this if they tried to make it too subtle. So I understand why they're doing what they do. 
Um, I think yeah. I think it actually works. It works well in the context. So you know, don't don't take that as a criticism. I think it's actually it, it is what it needs to be. I guess. And I just think this pay, plays into Matt again, kind of the confusion that he's feeling right now. You know, of course he's going to try and like he's reading books that shocks his mum, but then he goes to like a bar like this. Of course you would. I, I could understand purely from his confusion. And the, I love, I just love this sequence when he's at the bar and like he's sort of imagining Ava there talking to him. You know, I was perfect. You know, the Venus de Milo and just things like that. Like, like without going into so much details on my personal life, which I do seem to do on some episodes, there's just a level to that scene that I can just connect with. No, I don't frequent transsexual bars. Uh, I mean, I might. I've never been to one. We don't have them in Hobart, so I'm sure they're fun. But, like, I just... There's just something about this scene that you just feel really connected to. And just this whole sequence. And this is... Yeah, it's a weird thing to kind of put myself into a position for. And even... If it was me going to train, I wouldn't be ashamed of that. Cool, great. They seem fun. The music's great, and you can get like drinks without getting ID'd. So, um, I just I need to stop at some point. I always do this. I just go too far into detail. Just go to your point, Ben. But I yeah, I just love this scene when like Ava's there talking to him and just you know saying that and he's back and forth. And then obviously he sees Cherry, um, which again just on a side note, I, I did mention this at the end of season two in the in the finale when they're in that uh, support group and she cherry peck was in that group i don't know if you remember me mentioning that that in that circle with the people when they were talking before sean and christian showed up cherry peck was one of the people in the support group now i don't actually know if um it was always planned for her to come back um it would have been great if it was um what was her name sophia lopez would have been great if like she was involved you know what i mean like from season one but um, I just kind of like this weird sort of connection that you get Cherry at the end of season two. Here she is in this episode, and then she comes back even later in this season. So Cherry Peck is a sort of a, a recurring character who will come back. And um, just mentioning, I mentioned uh, the the actor's name is William Belly, and I, I he just according to the description here, William Belly is an American actor, drag queen, model, reality television personality, recording artist, and author. Um, and he's, it says he's, he's best known for his role as transgender woman, Cherry Peck on Nip Tuck, and a contestant on RuPaul's Drag Race, a show which we have briefly covered here on the Oz Network before. Um, apparently he's the only ever contestant to be disqualified from the series. (laughs) so, there you go. But, uh, yeah, so he's had a bit of a career, uh, playing sort of drag roles a lot in um, in different shows and movies. But, yeah, it's, it's kind of just interesting. He obviously, uh, like, I love how, like, she goes up to Matt, buy me a drink. Like, we've all been in bars, have we not, where a girl does that? Like, buy me a drink. Don't you wish sometimes you were a female in that situation? You just get free alcohol? Like, come on, I want to try that to a girl. Buy me a drink? <laughs> it's not going to work. And we're yeah, like, yeah, fuck off. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this whole sequence, obviously, we're back at Cherry's house and they're making out, they're getting busy, they're about to have sex, great. And then obviously Matt discovers that she's uh, pre-op, she still has a penis to which he does not react the best way and bashes the shit out of her. Um, the line, like, if I want to play with a dick, I'll play with my own or whatever it is. Um, and she's kind of like, oh, I thought you were one of us. And it's brutal. It's brutal. Like, I mean... There's no other way to describe this. And this is just so out of character for Matt because it's like, yeah, okay, he ran over someone when stoned, but, I mean, that was an accident. Um, This is just a completely different side to him and kind of what we're about to see after this, obviously, with the head-shaving scene. 
But I mean, it's just, I remember watching this for the first time, just going, holy crap, like Jesus Christ. Like you just do not expect him to react this way and just go for it. And again, it's just hashtag poor Matt for sure, but hashtag dick Matt, like, you know, it's, it's just, wow. Uh, I mean, I'll, I'll cap it there before we get to the next bit, but I mean, it's, it's definitely a very confronting scene to watch him like just bash this, you know, poor girl who really isn't, hasn't done anything wrong. Yeah, I think so. I think it's, you know, and it's meant to be brutal, and I think they, they do a really good job of that. Um, yeah, it is just done really well, I think. I, I'm not sure there's too much more I need to add to it. You know, the brutality is, sometimes on these things, you know, the brutality is not necessary, but in this situation, I think it is really, you kind of need to see that. It's kind of just that, that transformation of him into, you know, this completely different character. And, yeah, I mean, as I've said before, you know, I, I, I would argue that, you know, there's kind of no going back. You know, this changes who he is. Um, this episode just changes who the guy is, and, and he's never the same again after this episode, I don't think. And we get right into this scene where he literally changes. I mean, this is this is the bit here which you think he's changed at this point, just bashing up someone. Now here he is, shaving his head. Um, and, I mean, I, I always commend actors and actresses who commit to a role where they shave their head on screen. Uh, you know, as a huge Natalie Portman fan, you know, Viva Vendetta when she literally shaves her head and things like, cause I mean, you can always generally tell with these actors when they're just wearing a skin cap. Um, yeah. and, but I mean, this is legit. He's shaved his head and like he, the, the difference in how he looks, like we're talking about his mop head. He kind of looks a bit innocent and a bit, you know, like he looks young and, you know, you kind of feel fool for him. But from this point on, here he is, shaved head, bruised knuckles. He's kind of wearing that green military jacket with the German flag on it. Um, and then sort of when Sean comes in, um, you know, oh, I'm not sure it's an improvement. And then when he says, like, you know, changing the way you look won't change the way you feel. Um, and just the way he's kind of like, oh, is that what you tell all your patients? And, you know, he's like saying, oh, I'm not gay dad and all this sort of stuff. But then when like Sean says, oh, you're almost unrecognizable, which is so true. And then he's like, what happened to your, um, your hands? Like, oh, I got drunk, punched a wall. Guess who I was thinking of? And just that look he has on his face as he kind of then leaves. It's like, that is just transformation right there. It's like, holy crap. Yeah. I, I think it is, you know, he kind of, turns into this this kind of smarmy asshole as well um yeah. which you kind of see in the next episode too um yeah I, I i think probably the only line i don't like in this whole thing is when is that line about you are almost unrecognizable because it feels like we didn't need that line it feels like that was obvious um and, and it just feels like one line too many because i think sean does a good job you know dylan walsh delivers these lines really well um, and I think that was just a line that you didn't really need, but I am kind of nitpicking. I think it, think it is really awesome. And I think what I really like about this is um, the whole scene's played out without him actually making eye contact with Sean. You know, it's him looking into the mirror or looking into the camera, you know, the, the position of the camera. And, and I think that that makes it all the more effective that generally he's, he's not interested in, in having eye contact. He's making it very clear that there's a, there's a disconnect between them now. Um, yeah, I, it's just just the position of his eyes and things like that and this whole thing, he just has that kind of real almost evil smirk. And it, yeah, it's just, it's not just the hair. It's just, it's his whole facial expression, the kind of sure. the glassy eyes. It's, everything's played really well. And I think this is a real moment in, in terms of the way he's acting that you, you remember who this guy is, you know, that he is actually somebody that's now a memorable character and you want to see more of him where up to this point, I think I've always felt that Matt was just a little bit of filler 
you know, he was kind of filling out the stories of the other characters and he was, you know, he was a very passive part of the show. And now suddenly we've got storylines with him that matter and you want to know what's happening more with them. Um, you know, and to the point where, you know, I was talking earlier about the whole thing with him giving himself a circumcision. I mean, that was a cliffhanger in an episode in season one and I didn't really care how that turned out. You know, it wasn't something that I'm desperate to find out what happens next. Whereas this, you kind of want to go back to the story, which is great. You know, it, it's adding more to the to the whole the whole show, which is awesome. If only they had done that with Annie. Um, but uh, well, they do who, try. I mean, later on they do try, but they <laughs> never quite pull it off. Try being the operative word between um, you know potential Spanish molesters and eating her hair. Uh, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's the extent of Annie's storyline coming forward. <laughs> if, that's not our, if that's not hooking our listeners into sticking around to seeing where this goes, then nothing will. Oh, Spanish molesters? I'm set! Uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so, yeah, I mean, we kind of get this sort of... It's almost a, like a, a point... I don't say pointless then because, you know, it's just kind of sucking ass. That sounds a bit wrong. <laughs> They're sucking, like, liposuction out of an ass. <laughs> it's a surgery scene, Ben. Um, and just kind of a conversation. <laughs> I know how to say it, don't I? Uh, Sean and uh, Christian are sort of having this conversation about, you know, you know, Matt called, you told about Ava and all this sort of stuff. But um, it's kind of just this back and forth between the two. But the, the one bit I think is most important here is when Christian t- kind of says, like, you know, oh, this is about talking about the Kiki stuff. Like, it's the first time in weeks I've, I haven't thought about the Carver. Which, I mean, let's be honest, the Carver's completely forgotten about this episode. Um, so, it's kind of, we've, we've come from, we, we talk up how season three is the Carver season. Uh, you know, not every episode is about the Carver. So, you know, we just kind of have a subtle reference here, you know, about it. So, it's, you know, and we learned, obviously, that Kiki, sadly, has died. Oh, poor Kiki. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I love animals, but I mean, did, did did you give a shit that Kiki died? <laughs> well, I think again, this is another situation of why do we need to burst into the middle of surgery to announce this news? <laughs> like, the, this is not something that needs to like these guys. You know, especially if if we're believing that that Christian actually, you know, got something out of that surgery and you know, it meant something to him. Then why do you come in and tell him that it's ended up with the gorilla being killed? You know, yep. in the middle of surgery. I'm sure the person who's having um, their ass sucked, as you, as you so, <laughs> <laughs> so, so eloquently put it. Um, I, you know, I think if um, if that person knew that there was somebody bursting in and giving them bad news in the middle of that that liposuction or whatever it is, then they're probably not going to be too happy about that. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then we get one of my favourite scenes of this episode when Julia comes home. Matt, I can smell it from the kitchen! And Erica is just getting stoned. <laughs> and then it's just like all of a sudden Julia's just like, ah, oh, let's get stoned together. And then it's kind of like, oh, we should have done more about this growing up. But, um, like, it's it's kind of, um, I mean, it's a redeeming scene in some aspects because what does she say? Like, oh, you're a terrible mother or something like that. And... You know, it's kind of this conversation they have back and forth about it. And it's kind of this Julia sort of scene about like, oh, you know, carried him inside me, but I don't even know him. I mean, in real life, he was inside of her, but that's a different aspect. Um, oh, you had to go there, didn't you? I did. Come on, you know. Um, but I also love the fact that when they just get there and they start like, oh, you were so stoned. Like, I can understand Erica being that stoned because she's probably been doing it for a while. How quickly does it take Julia to get stoned? She's had like one puff. Like, yeah. she's, like, stoned just like that. Like, Jesus Christ. But I, I, I like this scene. It's just, it's a fun scene. I mean, it's kind of, it's it's a pretty deep episode, this whole one. So, I mean, it's, it's good to have sort of a, a fun scene. Even, it's a fun scene with a bit of seriousness, you know, obviously put into it. 
Well, I think, again, I, uh, the one thing I don't like about Erica is, is when you get these scenes where Julia's yelling at her and she's kind of standing there stony-faced, you know, with a bit of a smirk. And I, I actually really like this interplay between the two of them where they're not yelling at each other. Um, so I think probably the key is if you want Erica to work is just stop people from yelling at her. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I think that's probably the key. Yeah, no, I'd agree with that. Um, but then we we get this great... Um, closing scene here. I just, oh, I love this sequence. We've got Matt leaving school. Uh, we've got uh, Marlon getting rejected for another job. And just this interconnection between the two. Uh, somehow, um, obviously, Matt goes to the one high school in all of Miami. Uh, so, <laughs> Cherry and her, her gang of, uh, you know, friends can find him pretty easily. Um, even when he's shaved his head. To, and she is fucked up, too. Like, I mean. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, I mean, it, it's awesome, eh? Well, it's not awesome, but, you know, like the, in terms of the, the makeup is, is fantastic. I think they've done a good job of, of really selling the, that she's completely messed up by him, which is great. Completely agree. And so we get this, obviously, scene where her and her friends are chasing after Matt, and then uh, Marlon's friends are there, obviously, found him, which it's a bit weird in a way, because, like, um, I guess he's talking up the fact that, oh, I'm allowed to leave. You know, and it's like, oh, you know, they won't mind. But obviously, that's not the case. They do mind um, because they're there chasing after him. So you get this great sequence where they're all running through the streets and you've got this great music playing in the background. And obviously, it ultimately leads to um, Matt getting brutally bashed uh, by Cherry and her friends. Uh, and then obviously, Marlon also getting brutally bashed. And then kind of we get the sequence there where, you know, the knives come out uh, with Marlon's friends and then Cherry and her friends start just like pissing all over Matt. It's, Again, very confronting, very brutal. Uh, and then obviously it concludes with uh, we're in uh, Sean's office. And again, going back to your people just get let in everywhere. Like, why is they just let this guy into his office? <laughs> Have they told him that he's there? Like, yeah. I mean, <laughs> again, like, did yeah. he pretend he was Matt? Is that why yeah. he comes in? Matt? Uh, but we do get that great shot of, like, sort of the back of his head in the same jacket, shaved head, and then obviously he turns around and smiles and he's had his sort of tears cut into his face there. That's what we saw with the knife. But the one thing I just wanted to point out here, I've referenced it a few times in regards to like the location and the filming here. There is one very obviously parked car with a Florida number plate at one point. Very like smack bang in the center of the screen. So like, okay, cool. We're in Miami. Just pay closer. This is just me. Maybe. I don't know if I'm just nitpicking for nitpicking sake. If you pay close attention to the cars in many of these scenes, they've got California number plates. So it's like they just don't necessarily go out of their way to sort of really sell this um, as they're filming this in Miami. And again, as someone who's been to Miami, those streets, I guess, again, I haven't been to every single street in Miami. So I'm sure there are neighborhoods that probably do slightly resemble these streets. But from what I have seen of Miami from being there, no streets look like this. It does look like California. We know where it's filmed. Um, but I just wanted to point that out, not to take away from this amazing sequence. I, again, I love this whole closing of this episode. I think it's brilliantly done. The one thing that I do really like is, you know, when um, Marlon kind of comes out of that shop, you know, and he's been told he's not going to get the job and everything, and, you know, and he sees all these kind of gangbangers kind of pulling out their weapons, and it did, it did make me think of Anchorman, you know, the whole scene where, you know, all the, um, <laughs> the, the rival yes. news crews all kind of, uh, you know, pull out these, these fancy weapons and, and try to take each other on. Yeah, no, I, that always cracks me up. Um, but, yeah, I think it is really well done. And, you know, like, as, a, as I said before, man, Nip Tuck loves the, the cut scene. Um, you know, where you've got two things happening at the same time. And, you know, it's a really good kind of play up because you've got these two guys who, you know, look the same in terms of a profile, you know, the bald head and everything. And, um, yeah, I, I think it is great. I think it, it's played really well. Um, 
I mean, remind me, um, we don't get any follow-up on Marlon, do we? Is that, is that it for him? That's it. There... That's it for Marlon, yeah. Just, it's kind of a sad way for it to end, really. I mean, yeah, I, I would have liked to have kind of seen what happened next with him, um, which I guess I is the mark of, of a good kind of of a one character, one episode character is that you should be left wanting a little bit more, I guess, sometimes, and it is sad you don't get it. Well, I mean, you ultimately get the conclusion of Jude uh, that we got last episode, but like, <laughs> we never get more. Right. Yeah. Uh, the song, too, I will quickly point out, it's uh, by Jeffrey Orema. It's called Macumbo. Um, uh, yeah, it's a great song. It really adds to the uh, overall scene of it. Uh, but yeah, that's um, that's Kiki. Let's have a Kiki. Uh, different song there. Um, but uh, I look. I guess we get to the rating of it now. Um, I mean, we both rented Mama Boone. Uh, I mean, what what are we going to do with uh, episode two here of season three? Well, I think I'm I'm pleasantly surprised by it. Um, you know, like it's one of those ones where you kind of you, you probably don't think too much about it at the time. Um, and I certainly didn't kind of start this episode up expecting too much from it, really. Um, but like I said right at the start, I think it's a really important episode for, you know, kind of the Matt storyline. Um, so in terms of it being an important one to watch, and I think it's also, it's well acted. There's some great scenes in it. So I am actually going to buy this one, and that kind of surprises me a little bit. But yeah, I, I think it's definitely worth a buy. I think I'm with you exactly the same. I'm going to buy it too and probably be surprised as well. That I mean, I think kind of what really switched me over the fence is straight away at the beginning of the episode where you kind of, as you said, it's an important one uh, in the grand scheme of things, particularly with Matt. But, you know, just overall, like, the acting abilities, it's John Hensley, and just, like, the emotional ending to the se- season, uh, the episode, sorry. Uh, you know, I think it's just, overall, this is one that you remember. Um, and, you know, just great side character of Marlon. Uh, you know, Eric is actually good. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's just, yeah, overall, I think this is definitely a buy, so... Um, yeah, we've definitely started off season three, uh, I'm not gonna say opposite end of the spectrum because we haven't had a bin it yet, but, um, yeah, for sure. So that is Kiki done. Our next episode that we are doing, of course, is episode three, uh, Derek, Alex and Gary. Um, we have more great Matt going out of his way stuff. Uh, Kit's back. There's more group sex. Uh, Julia moans. Uh, <laughs> and we, we learn a bit more about Quinton, which is, it's, I, I kind of like this episode because, um, I mean, there's just one scene in it, which I just, I fucking love the scene. And to me, it's just such a nip tuck scene. It's so good. Uh, I mean, there's, it's, it's, it's just, it's a fun episode. This is really like, you know, we talked at the end of episode one of season three, how like, oh, next episode, we really get back into nip tuck territory. I think episode three, Derek, Alex and Gary is really nip tuck territory. So yeah, I, I mean, I'm looking forward to talking about the next episode. Yeah. And I think probably one of the things that, um, I, I'm interested to follow up and see if it follows through the whole, the whole season, but potentially is it a bit controversial to say that I think maybe the best episodes on this season are the ones that aren't about the carver. Um, it'd be interesting to see if that theory holds throughout the whole season. So I might just try and track that and see if that's actually correct or, or whether the, you know, the sample of these first few episodes is, is probably just guiding me there. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would agree for the most part with that. But as always, if you're enjoying this coverage, please uh, let us know. You can send us in some messages, comments, all that sort of stuff. Um, subscribe via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us some feedback whilst you're there. And uh, by all means, uh, stay tuned for all our other 
uh, shows as well that are covering, obviously, besides Nip Tuck, we've got our third watch coverage, we've just started Lost, a lot of other movies and everything else in between that we're doing, uh, we're obviously enjoying all the content that we are bringing for you. But right now, time to close it out by saying my name is Ben, and if I want to play with someone else's cock, I got my own, you goddamn freak. <laughs> and I'm Nick, and uh, you've got a goddamn day. Thank you for listening to the Oz Network. Don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week. For more information, hit us up at theoznetwork.net.